All right, you can uh, let go of that hug for a moment. Get your Bible out instead. <laughs> you know, Joel, I want to just say the, the Lord really is proud of you. You love him and you're giving your heart to him and you're so, so unobtrusive. You just don't push yourself. So the fact that you've been selected to play first uh, team at Gray and go on that tour is quite outstanding. It's a work of grace. So we really do celebrate you, hey? So, but mostly who you are in God, because you're, the way you play cricket, you, you know, when you play your, what do you play here? What guitar what, what is that? You see, I don't know anything about these things. Okay. Well, when you play that thing. <laughs> and, you, and, you, and you play with a cricket bat and a ball, whatever you're doing on the field, it's all the same thing. You're worshiping God. You know that uh, guy who, in Chariots of Fire, Eric Little, he said, when I... God made me fast. When I run, I feel his pleasure. So when you get another run or you get another wicket, huh, you just feel God's pleasure. Huh? Sorry for the guys who lost the wicket, but that's another thing. <laughs> anyway, bless you. Bless you, Joel. We love you, man. We love you. Is, is John a, a Humboldt in the house? I think I saw him the other moment he was playing. John, are you there? Where's your wife? Come here, man. Just come here. Come here. Come I just felt earlier, earlier this morning, actually, that uh, God, God has got a prophetic word over you guys. I just want you to receive it right up front here. This is a, a just, uh, I just feel like the Father's heart. Father would just say over you, my son, my daughter, I'm, I'm delighted in you. More than you've ever been able to acknowledge and celebrate. And I lead, I'm leading you now, says the Lord. I'm leading you to a time of more celebration than you've ever known before. The Lord is saying that joy... It's coming. The morning has come. Weeping has lasted for a night, but joy has come in the morning. And this is a time for you to stand on the full flow of his joy in your life. And he wants you to seize these moments and celebrate them. But he also says to you, take friends with you. Take friends with you. Take them to the party of the Father's delight. I believe he wants you to know that he's raised you up for leadership. He's raised you up to lead others in the joy of his kingdom. So, Lord, we bless this couple and we thank you for them, Lord. Thank you for what they are, what they carry. Thank you for what they've been through over the years, over the many years. And you have shown yourself faithful. And their pursuit of you has brought about a stability in them that we celebrate today. So we bless you, John, and we bless you. Uh, we bless you, Bronwyn. Thank you, guys. I, I have these moments. Uh, we bless you. And may the Lord fulfill his word in your life. Amen. <laughs> Sorry about that, eh? <laughs> so I got the prophetic word right. I got the name almost wrong, but anyway, bless you guys, eh? Yeah, very special. Yeah, got your Bibles out there, guys. We do say some dumb things. Ever ever said a dumb thing? Come on, hands up. Anyone said ever said a dumb thing? Okay, what was that? What did you say? <laughs> so some church notices went like this: Bertha Belch. This is a notice in the church announcement. Uh, Gavin could have said it. Eh? Bertha Belch. A missionary from Africa will be speaking tonight at Calvary Methodist Church. Come and hear Bertha Belch all the way from Africa. <laughs> Barbara, this is another notice. Barbara remains in the hospital. She's having trouble sleeping and requests tapes of Pastor Jack's sermons. <laughs> uh, the ladies of the church <laughs> have cast off clothing of every kind. They'll be seen in the basement on Friday afternoon. <laughs> So this uh, plane was in trouble in the air. <laughs> uh, 
let me say, it was lovely this morning to meet Daisy here. Daisy, when you come on that stage, man, I'd say, yes, this is a good moment, eh? Thank you, Daisy. Appreciate what you bring, eh? Awesome. I wish I, sometimes I wish I could play guitar and dance like you do, eh? Amazing. So this plane uh, was having engine trouble up in the air, and the, and the pilot said, look, guys, relax. We're dealing with it. Just relax. We're dealing with it. We, we, we're going to have to lighten our load, however, and we're going to do that by the alphabet. So will all Africans stand up and leave? And the boy tells his son, sit still. Then the pilot says, maybe we need to lighten up a little more. Will all blacks please leave? And a few moments later, the plane's struggling. He says, will all of color please leave? And the little boy says, Dad, what are we? He says, today we are Zulus. <laughs> Israel, you know, okay. <laughs> could have said we're Zimbabweans, eh? <laughs> the last to leave. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, I was delighted to hear a number of comments all week long um, about Hannah's message last Sunday. A number of people spoke to me how helpful it was and how authentic and uh, how, how, how much I felt she was at, I don't know, you're still in the house somewhere, yeah, she was with the kids just now, eh? It's kids church, okay, but uh, it was lovely to hear her um, sharing uh, her story and, uh, um, and sharing in the mix of that uh, how the gospel has empowered her and she spoke specifically uh, in the beginning of a short series on uh, gospel power and what the gospel actually does in our lives. And uh, I want to build on that a little bit uh, to, to, to today and, and ask the question, how? because the gospel saves us. Paul says in Romans 1, 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. It's a good verse for the fridge if you haven't memorized it, Romans 1, 16. But um, it is that which saves us. It's a, a, a message of good news that when we receive, it transforms us from lostness to saved. But the question I want to ask to today is, how saved can you actually get? You see, some of us have got Christianity like measles in spots only, you know. Touch a little bit here, a little bit there, but our whole life is, is not yet affected by the gospel. And uh, there's portions in our lives, pockets, you might say, compartments, that are, are yet to be saved. How many of you think you might have some unsaved compartments? Okay, some, some don't think that. So bless you guys. May you enjoy your halos. Uh, <laughs> But God, God wants us, I want to just take you to Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, a particular verse um, where this speaks of the unfinished work of Christ. On the cross in John 19, he said, it is finished. But there's an unfinished work also. What he spoke of was true. He had paid the price that had happened. But the unfinished work is the work of his ongoing intercession for us. So Hebrews 7, 25 says, therefore... And this is on the back of Jesus being the one who has a, a permanent priesthood. Verse 24 speaks of his permanent priesthood. Um, therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Because he always lives to intercede for them. So he's able to save completely. And because it's speaking of the eternity factor, he's a, uh, a permanent priesthood. And because of the particular meaning of this Greek word panteles, it speaks not only of duration, but of depth. 
So we come from a Methodist background, and one of the doctrines in Methodism is called in, uh, Christian perfection or entire sanctification. The, the view is that you can actually believe and expect to be completely made like Jesus in this life. How many think that that might be true? Brian, you want something to think about? I'm giving you one right now. Um, theologically, can you be completely saved? Well, this verse says you can. He, he is able to save you completely. But here's the problem. If you claim that you're saved completely, the arrogance with which you claim it probably disqualifies you. So it's one of those things like that guy who got the medal for, for being the most humble man on campus, and as soon as he wore it, they took it away from him. It's one of those strange things, isn't it? But, but having the goal, and it's right to have the goal. I mean, Paul says that in, in Philippians 3, I haven't yet arrived, but there's one thing I do. I press on to lay hold of all of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. I want to be in every part, my words, my money, my time management, my attitudes, uh, every part, how I make decisions, uh, my habits, the habits I have and the ones I should have, everything, my, my omissions and my commissions, that they would, be, they would be just like Jesus. I want to be like him in every way. And Paul says, I haven't achieved that yet, but there's one thing I do. I press on that I may lay hold of all of that for which he has laid hold of me. Now, imagine Jesus didn't save you to give you just Christian measles, a little bit here and a little bit there. He wants you to be saved completely, hey? That your salvation comes to every part, every relationship, every dimension of your life that you look like him. And we become uh, the new humanity. Because remember, the first humanity was made in his image. Remember? And then they fell and lost the image and became hidden and wore fig leaves and then got all their shame took over and all that stuff happened. And, uh, and then God brought about a new humanity. For if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. And the aim of this new creation is yet again in our stewardship to represent God to the earth around us. The world uh, sees who God is like by looking at us. Isn't that amazing? Eh? And we want to be as clear an image of Jesus as we possibly can. So I'd like to take you to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to show you a few things here that hopefully will, will help us get oriented. Here. 2, Timothy, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Um, and picking it up. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. In verse 2, rather we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. So on, uh, on the contrary, by setting forth, he says, um, the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, the God of this age, the devil has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see. We only see by faith. Eh? The unbelievers cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And then he says, we don't preach ourselves, we preach Christ as Lord, etc. But just go back to verse 2. Uh, there's four things that we must say no to as we proclaim the gospel. And the, these are simply no secrecy, which is why we know these secret sects and Freemasonry and Bruderbonders and all sorts of uh, secrecies that often prevail in cultic thinking. These are essentially playing into the hands of the demonic. Because the gospel brings to light. Eh? And, and Psalm 89 says that in the light of your presence, Psalm 36 says the same thing. In the light of his presence, we see light. Eh? 
in his presence is light. And there's no secrecy with God. Uh, there's a transparency. All things are made bare. And so no secrecy. The second thing is no shame. There's no shame. And we've, we've, we've always experienced uh, over years and years uh, shame as being a toxic thing. And we seek to eradicate that from the life, our lives and the way we do life, the way we do ministry, the way we lead church. To, to have no shame. Shame is toxic. God wants to set his people free. Shame came as a result of the fall. Remember, they, they, they felt no shame in chapter 2, verse 24 of Genesis. But chapter 3, when they fell out of relation with God, they began to be ashamed and hid. Remember that? In the first round of hide and seek the world ever experienced, it wasn't God who was hiding, it was God who was seeking. And they were hidden by their shame. And how many of us are not hidden by our shame, huh? I'll give you a personal secret. I was born with pointed elbows. How many, of you, how many of you got an idiosyncratic part of your body? Don't tell me what it is, but you got something. Huh? <laughs> and I used to remember as a youngster, feel like I always had to wear long sleeve shirts because my elbows have got these beautiful points. God, in his sense of humor, gave me a fat wart more than a centimeter long on the point of the one elbow just to accentuate that I'm different. I'm me, and that's good because God don't make no junk, if you know what I'm saying. How many of you have ever had a, a thing that God takes you and says, let's make fun of this thing? And I, and I played rugby. I love rugby. I played rugby 17 years. I love it. And I always want to play a hooker. I want to play in the middle of the screen. I want where the action is, you know. Don't put me in the back, the full back. I want to be there with the action. And, of course, every single game, the water would pop open, and I would bleed. So I looked like Braveheart. You know, the blood running everywhere. And, you know. Anyway, it was a, a thing I grew up. But in my salvation, that's one of the things God set me free from. I don't have any kind of body shame. I mean, I know you, you all wish you had bodies like mine, but it's... Uh, <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay, you know. And I, and I trust, I trust um, the physique God gave me. I said to him the other day, Lord, it seems I'm losing a few capacities here, but whatever you leave me with, I'll serve you with. So anything you take away from me, well, that'll be your loss because if I, you, you give me the tools to serve your kingdom. And praise God uh, that water's a thing of the past, and my elbows are a thing to be treasured. <laughs> Does that make sense to anybody in the house? It's a simple little thing, but if you got something that brings shame in your life, God wants you to turn your back on it because the gospel says, I love you. It's amazing. We have to rediscover uh, a gospel that sets us free from shame. This, the, the third no that we must hear is no deception, no manipulation, uh, no coercion. The gospel must be freely explained and freely responded to. It's a love relationship where there's no pressure, but great earnest invitation. And we should, we should by all means, do, go to the uttermost, uh, outermost parts of the earth in order to help people come to know Jesus. When I was in South Sudan recently, they were just talking to us about the 64 tribes, and there's a lot of animosity between the tribes, and there's some sections of South Sudan that are completely off limits to those from a different tribe. And uh, Joseph, who, who's uh, the emerging leader in the, in the vineyard network in South Sudan, is so keen to get down to those tribes, but he knows he's from a, a wrong tribe as far as they're concerned, and the hostility, they'll kill him. So... When we left off, he said his plan is to go and run a crusade just outside that tribal territory on the edge of it and invite people from the tribe to come over to him. So he's not trespassing there, and they're going to come, and they're going to hear the gospel. And then he'll get some key people saved, and they will go in, and slowly but surely a door will be open, and the gospel will get into all the pockets of South Sudan. Does that make sense? Okay. 
uh, no deception, just open invitation. And you know, when how many of you are married in this house or have been married? You've had a proposal put to you, will you marry me? You had that, eh? Yeah. And, and was that a joyful moment or was it frightening? Tell me about it, Steve. <laughs> when, when you had that moment. But it comes with such invitation, hey? Such a, hopefully there's been a, a preparation for that moment. And when you pop the question out, you guys, was it three, what did you say? Three? Three months. Yitta. <laughs> False mover, eh? Hey? Oh, yeah. Well, I suppose you find a winner, a keeper, you've got to move on. You don't want to lose this deal, eh? Yeah, you made a deal like a businessman right there. Oh, man. <laughs> but the Lord wants us to understand that the gospel is a presentation of his love invitation to us. There's no deception in it. There's great inspiration. He makes an offer to us that we'd be stupid to refuse. Huh? And I'm not being disdainful of those living in sin and, and, and without God, but it is silly to live without God. The Bible says if we, we must stop sin, come back to your senses and stop sinning. The Bible says that. You remember Luke 15, the prodigal son, he, feeding pigs eh, as a result of his, of his party life. Eh? Uh, he ran out of resources and he gets a job on the farm feeding the pigs. And um, the Bible says, when you're so hungry, he started eating the pig food. Then he came to his senses, which implies he took leave of his senses to go on the sin escapade. So to live a life of sin is stupid putting it plain and simple. If you don't love Jesus, you're actually being foolish. He's made an offer. Like, you know, uh, when I proposed to Colleen, uh, you know, I would have been stupid not to. How many agree? <laughs> when you have a, a, the jewel of the Karoo staring you in the face and, and you think, nah, hey, that's not going to happen. No ways. You have an offer. You, it's an invitation to a new way of living completely, and, and the gospel is about that. And then the, the fourth no, we must understand, when the gospel is proclaimed, there's no distortion. We don't preach another Jesus, a Jesus of our own cultural making. And that's also one of the challenges we're dealing with in our missionary work in particular, but not only so. We, we have it too here, where we might be freed by God, in the words of, uh, of African Floppy, freed by God, but imprisoned by culture. And we allow our cultures, our ethnic cultures, our national cultures, our family cultures, even your personal culture. You've developed a culture about how you do things. How, how many of you have got a personal culture? You know what I'm talking about? You've got your own de de personally desired way of doing things, and that's how you operate. It's a personal culture. And you let your, you're freed by God, but you let your culture imprison you. You're still stuck in that culture. And you're stuck in that culture. Maybe it's been shaped by your perception of your personality. I'm a quiet person. I don't do that. I don't prophesy. Well, the Bible says all believers should be eager to prophesy. So when your personal culture says, no, I'll leave that to the weirdos like Dave and, and Ellie and whoever else, uh, Monica or whatever, you know, uh, and you leave it to, to us, let's call ourselves weirdos, eh? <laughs> Prophetic extravagance. Well, it's, it's just taking a chance. But if we're eager to prophesy, this is a, an invitation for every believer. Hey? And you don't have to stand up here and speak King James English. You just need to say, I think the Lord might be saying this to you or that to you. In the vineyard, we, we use that kind of disclaimer language. But we don't distort it. And one of the distortions people do is add a threat to the prophecy. You know? And the Lord says, if you, if you don't put another hundred bucks in the offering plate, you'll be dead before tomorrow night. You know, that kind of manipulation. 
distortion um, or threat that it, that it attaches to. So I wanted to say the gospel we proclaim doesn't carry that, but it carries a huge invitation that um, we could be completely changed. And going back to the Hebrews 7.25, completely speaks of duration. You can stay saved and you can go to the depth of it. And every part of you can become like Jesus. Your money, your time management, your intimacy life, your, your speech, uh, the decision-making, your plans, your dreams, your hopes, every part of you, so that you don't fall into sins of commission nor sins of omission. And sins of omission are, are much more prevalent than sins of commission. How many of you know that the love of the Lord inspires us to live courageously? So whenever we live timidly, we, we're committing a sin of omission. We've committed... We've omitted to engage in some adventurous way. Because our personal culture says, no, I don't do that. That's not me. Well, maybe it's a Jesus in you. Let him out. Let him out. Eh? You're allowed to say enna as well in the church eh, if it's an awkward moment. But God does want us to, to move in this thing. Um, when you all know Romans 5 verse 1, that therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. And then the next couple of verses, verse 2, 3, going into verse 4, all speak of the, the trouble that follows our being positioned with Christ. Um, and we have trouble. Trouble comes at us. And, and, but then he says, and these threaten our hope, but hope it does not disappoint us because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit that is given unto us. So here's the thing. Our justification gives us a position with God. By faith, uh, receiving the love of God daily, moment by moment, into our lives, into the recesses of our souls, and we're allowing it to invade our, our personal cultures. As the love invades us, hope stays strong in us, and we find ourselves liberated from fear because His perfect love casts out fear, and we learn to live far more fearlessly, eh? far more courageously. We, we, we repent of our risk averseness. And we say, bring it on. We, we, we pick up the Braveheart flag in whatever area it might be, whether it's um, divorce recovery, whether it's recovering from uh, the grace you've found in helping others now to uh, overcome a business uh, retrenchment or uh, uh, betrayal by a friend. So many life experiences that the world around us is encountering, but you have been there. You found grace. The love of God has invaded you. Now you need to turn it over for the good of others. You dare not waste the grace from the pain you went through that God met you and ministered to you. Don't waste the grace. I'm looking forward to the next chapter in Fountain Vineyard's life. Just as you know, I, I felt like a time has come for me to come home. So I'm home for four weeks. And uh, I'm looking forward to preaching for four Sundays and uh, unpacking some of this. What does the power of the gospel actually mean for us? And what I'm looking for in particular is I think God's raising up a new generation of people who have been in the second row and are now going to come into the front row of, of what God wants to innovate and do in this church. And I'm grateful for those that have helped us carry so long. Um, what did you, who, you guys are talking, uh, Brendan was saying about people that he's recognized from long ago. And it's wonderful. We celebrate you guys that have walked with us and helped carry the long haul. But aren't you just as encouraged as I am by the number of amazing people God is adding to us in these post-COVID days? It's absolutely awesome. Let's give them a hand, eh, guys? Come on. So we're not, we're not dismayed 
in the COVID effect, and we've had some people that have moved off and others have gone to plants and things like that. But uh, we, we know that our salvation is, um, is something we have to celebrate distinctly. Um, some people think salvation is just when you sign the pledge card at a crusade and you put the date on, now you're a believer. What you've got there is authentic. It's in your heart, and you've believed in Jesus. You received him as he, as he died on the cross for you, rose again, and that's true. But what you actually started with is a fire insurance policy, in fire insurance against hell. You won't go to hell because you believed in Jesus, okay? And you've, but nothing, you haven't done anything with it yet, but that, you've got the policy. It's right there. But you need much more than that to enjoy life on earth. Eh? So Jesus said, while you're on earth, pray this prayer. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May heaven invade earth. And how is it going to do that? Well, you're one of heaven's agents now. You know, in the, in the hippie days, we had the hell's angels. Can you remember the bi- motorbike club, hell's angels? Well, we've got, we've got heaven's people now. And, and you're one of them. Eh? And, and you, God's wanting you to take up your, your mantle and, and be fully who he's called you to be. Um, and, and, and trouble will, will try to prevent you. But Philippians 2 says that we must work out our salvation, verse 12 and 13 of Philippians 2. We must work out our salvation with fear and trembling because God is at work within us to will and to do according to his good pleasure. God is working in us and he wants us to work it out, to work out the application and the, and the implications for our lives. And this is, this is our task. So we don't just sit with a policy. We actually engage with a person. And we, and we live out the life of Christ. Um, and when trouble comes, you remember that story from long ago about a donkey that fell in the well, a, a disused well. It was an old donkey. And the farmer thought, oh, come on, man. I don't waste an old day's labor on an old donkey. So he called his laborers over and said, just fill the well in. We're not going to need it anymore. And this old donkey, too, it's finished. So they started burying the donkey. And every, every stand, uh, spade full of sand they threw on the donkey. Old donkey just shook it off, stamped his foot. And I kept throwing sand on the donkey. He shook it off, stamped his foot. Eventually, he walked out of the hole. <laughs> so what we do with life's trouble that, it, that comes to us, we shake it off because God is working in us to will and do according to his good pleasure. And he's causing us to rise up. And we're going to walk out of our holes. We're going to step right out of that hole. We're going to become a whole lot more. And uh, I want to tell you about a woman. A lot more what? A lot more bold. Joni Erickson Tider. Joni Erickson Tider, a 17 year old beautiful girl that had a, a diving accident, broken neck, and was completely paralyzed. What a, what a life she's, she's lived. And, and uh, she's been challenged about look how, how productive your life has been. Imagine what you would have done without those injuries. I mean, if you had all your capacity, she said, You don't understand. It was what I went through that helped me come to a deeper place. Okay? The things you struggle, the things you've got to shake off and stand on, is what's enabling you to get out of that hole. So she said this, confidence, charisma, and chutzpah count for little over the long haul. The leaders God chooses, this is what uh, Joni Erickson Tyler said, the leaders that God chooses are often more broken than strong, more damaged than whole, more troubled than secure. God's greatest leaders do not rise up from a bed of roses, they rise from beds of nails. I mean, Joseph, we've been, in some of our disciple group, we've been talking about Joseph, uh, disowned by his brothers, uh, thrown into Egyptian prison, falsely accused, but later becoming prime minister of the land of Egypt. Uh, that's, a, that's a good donkey right there. Noah, a man who got drunk and passed out naked. He went on to rescue all the species on the earth from extinction. Uh, from a boat he built. Abraham, 
at times cowardly, a cowardly husband calling his wife his sister because he's scared of losing his own life, and, and, and pretty much a dysfunctional father in the way that he, he exercised his family. And yet he became the spiritual forerunner of all who have faith. Eh? Isaiah, a preacher who was rejected by his contemporaries and sawed in half at his execution, became one of the most influential voices in the history of the world. Isaiah 9, we, we read of his prophecies about Jesus, eh? the coming Messiah. Just Isaiah who saw that more clearly than anyone else. David, the youngest of seven, seven other brothers and son of an obscure shepherd on Israel's uh, farmland. He became the king of Israel and writer of half the Psalms. And though he messed up many times, yet God said, I want my, my son to be born in human form from the dynasty, the legacy of this man. Because he, he leaned deeply into the love of God. Peter, hot-headed fisherman from Galilee, huh? erratic disciple, uh, getting things right, getting things wrong all the time. In, in the same moment, uh, one moment he's praised as, as the one who catches revelation from the Father. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And the next moment he's saying, don't worry, Jesus, we're not going to do your plan. I've got a better one, and we're not going to go through that way. We're going to go this way. Sounds like Trevor Noah, eh? not that way, this way. You know? <laughs> anyway, and Peter, and yet God used him. Eh? He said, I'll build my, my, my church on the kind of courageous leadership of grace that you're looking, uh, looking for. And he was actually crucified upside down, history tells us. Mary, this unwed teenage girl, eh? who carries the Messiah coming from an obscure little town. Ruth, a foreigner, hey? from a foreign nation. And uh, Rahab the harlot, uh, Bathsheba the adulteress. All these people became famous in the, in the legacy of grace. People that, that looked deeply into the, the love of God and, and received his grace in their lives. Paul, who was first Saul, a blasphemer and a uh, one who despised and got permission to go and kill all Christians, all believers, became the prime apostle to the Gentiles, eh? to such as us. Uh, so here's the thing. If we are going to embrace uh, the full impact of gospel power in our lives, we have to lean a lot more deeply into the love of God. The only thing that stands between what you are now and what you can become is the shallowness of your grasp of the love of God in your life. The depth of the love. And we say, as we minister all over in the missions work across Africa, Africa has the gospel. They've got the gospel a mile wide, but about a half inch deep. The discipleship factor is so shallow. It hasn't challenged all the cultural addictions that are still prevailing. But let's not think just of Africa out there. What about our own cultural addictions? If the love of God was allowed to impact my life, wouldn't that set you free from pointed elbows? Wouldn't that set you free from your own idiosyncrasies and preferences and so that's just who I am? Well, that's who you were, but is that who God called you to be? Maybe someone sitting right here has got to be raised up to become a preacher in this church or in another church or go plant a church. Maybe someone sitting right here, you've been getting a kind of a safe salary deal, but God's wanting you to take a risk in business and do something completely different. And you say, well, that's not really my deal. I'm not really wired like it. Well, that's how you were. But if the gospel impacts you and the love of God comes rushing in and the love of God sets you free from all fear, what would you become? Hey, what would you do? Think about it just for a moment. If the, the gospel power were to infiltrate your life completely, how different would you be? Hey, what would you do differently? Hey? What would you do? Hey, I might even audition again for the worship team. You never know. <laughs> 
Because <laughs> there's no end to the way God can empower us and change us. It's not on us. It's on Him. It, it, it depends. So the, the number one barrier to this, and if you, if you don't remember anything else, pray God sets you free from passivity. Being passive about the love of God. Uh, Hebrews 5.14, that strong, strong meat belongs to those who by reason of use have exercised themselves to discern between good and evil. By exercising themselves, they've applied themselves. Paul says in Philippians 2, 12 and 13, work it out. God's worked it in you, now you work it out. Give it expression. Don't stay timid. Don't stay locked in. Become free, as his love would help you to be. Huh? Watch out for passivity. So if I can summarize it, what I'm really saying today, and uh, looking forward to next Sunday, we're going to have a fun presentation because it's a, a roundup next Sunday. We're going to have a fun way of taking this a little step further, um, in particular about how the gospel empowers us to, to win in life, and we'll speak about that, how to become winners and not losers. But here's the thing. How, far, how saved can we get? Well, we can get a lot more saved than we are. Would you agree? None of us has arrived. We can get a lot more saved than we are, a lot more like Jesus, a lot more freed up than we are. Uh, that's the first answer I'd give. The second answer is we can, we can get as much saved as we're willing to be loved. Take the moments to let his love seep in. If anyone wants to share, I've, I've, for about 20 years, I, I, a prayer cave I used to go to without telling anybody, but I started taking people there. And I'll meet Jesus in that place. It's a lovely spot for me. And if you haven't got a place, come and speak to me. I'll take you there. Come and speak to me. I'd love to introduce you to a place where I know he often lands. He's there, and you can meet him. But you, you've probably got a tree on your back garden someplace. You, he's also there, huh? A room in the back of your house someplace. Some place where you and Jesus can have rendezvous and just allow his love to soak into you, huh? Those Tennessee River moments where he's, his love just soaks in. And, 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 and you know that this is empowering you. Eh? The other day, I mean, Carl and I were busy with some renovations, and, and uh, I was very tired this day. I slept very poorly, and she had also, she went to have a lie down. I thought, I'm going to bless her by doing some repairs on irrigation uh, that needed to be done because the garden had all been changed. Uh, and, 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 I, and I really messed up on it. I, I, didn't, I didn't do it right. Uh, and, and I thought, uh, I did my best, but it wasn't right, you know. And uh, she was tired, I was tired. So I thought, you know what, in, in my earlier years, I would have probably had an explosion back to her. But I, I went and found my chair that I sit in and meet Jesus. And I said, Lord, just help me right now. Well, how, do I how, how do you respond in this context? I'm talking about it's a real life moment when you're saying, Lord, let your fruit come. Rather than the old self, it's not tainted by the love of God. Anybody have those moments? Eh? How many think that God's also working on you with your irrigation issues? You know what I'm saying? Whatever it means for you, hey? So it depends, secondly, on how much you're prepared to let the love of God soak into you. And then lastly, so I'm giving you those three things. You can get a lot more saved than you are, number one. Number two, you can get as saved as you're willing to be loved. Because I'm not asking you to pull yourself up by bootstraps. I'm asking you to let the love of God infiltrate you and set you free from all the limitations of that. And then the third thing is... You can get as much saved as you're willing to swap your lives for truth. Because many of us are restricted in our Christian lives because of the lies we've lived by, the things that have been spoken over us, that have trapped us and limited us and misshapen us. God wants to set us free from the lies. We've, lies like scarcity. 
You'll never have enough. You'll never be enough. You won't ever amount to much. Eh? Nobody wants you. Eh? Life's always going to give you a lemon. Life's going to go bad for you. And there's negative predictions over you and critical things that are spoken over you. And there's, this, there's this, uh, these lies that become your, your life principle that you live by. And you live to fulfill the lie. But now, Jesus says in John 8, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So we need to hear the truth about every area of our lives, and we will not be the, the same, and we can be completely saved. As much as Jesus is praying for that happen, duration and depth. Isn't that amazing? Eh? We, we serve a mighty Savior who's got great plans for each of our lives. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. We say, come, Holy Spirit. Thank you for what you're doing, the power of the gospel in our lives. Thank you, Lord. If you're in that place right now where you want to say, Lord, I, I know I can only change if I have more of your love come on my life. I just invite you, put your hands out in front of you and just say, Lord, here I am. It's always good to sit in a receptive mode before God. Just open your hands before him. Don't worry if anyone sees we've got our eyes closely closed. It doesn't matter. Don't worry what people think anyway. What does it matter? Just put your hands out there and say, Lord, here I am. And learn to say that daily. Learn to do this regularly. Lord, just show me more of your love. I can only live according to the love I've perceived in you. Otherwise, I live the old life all over again every day. Lord, I want to have more than Christian measles. I want to really have you. I want to know you. Lord, as we sit now, I pray that a new journey would begin for everyone whose heart is off to you today. A new journey of exploration of the depths of your love. Paul prayed that we may know the depth, the height, the width, the extent of his love. That it would transform us, set us free from our personality and cultural restrictions. God can take nobodies and do amazing things. So come, Holy Spirit, fulfill what you're doing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And I believe the Lord's starting a new work in many people's lives. And he's heard your prayer this morning. And as you step out and find that prayer cave, uh, and you meet him, you need to tell people around you, watch the space. You ain't seen nothing yet. There's more to me than was ever been known. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Before we, before we rush off and have our coffee, just for a couple of minutes, I just want to invite some prophetic release on a personal basis. I don't want general prayers or general prophecies. But just, just for a couple of minutes, before we, the coffee can wait, I'm sure it won't be long. Uh, if you have a prophetic encouragement for somebody else, I want you to go and give it to them. If there's somebody that you'd like to use the microphone and give it out over publicly, let's just take a moment to do that and, and invite you. If you've never spoken publicly in a, an affirming, God-honoring way into the life of another, I want to create space for that to happen right now. God wants to do some very significant things. Come up here. Come, come. Anyone else? Just make a little bit of a, <clears throat> a prophecy line here. And, but I'm asking you to give personal prophecies. I want you to name people or call them by the jersey they're wearing or something like that. But I, I, I'm encouraging personal application. Because um, it, it really encourages faith. Who else is going to join a prophecy line? Robbie, you need to come. Come on, Robbie. 
There it is. You guys have got, you've got words to bring. You know what? Here's the funny thing about it. How many of you found this out? Oftentimes you don't know what, what needs to be said until you have the microphone in your hands and then it comes to you. In the moment when you need to bring it, it comes. Are we thinking about that right now as he walks away? <laughs> got you, my brother. Okay. But God wants to bring out his word in and through us to the lives of others. So we're going to just have a short minute. Just so, you don't have to take another 30 minutes, but just a few moments. Eh? There we go. Eh? Name them. Yeah, the guy with the green jersey or whatever. Call the guy Jerry. Uh, can you just come up here, because I want to catch sure. the camera as well. Sorry. Um, Jerry, I just I feel like God wants to speak to you more today. Um, and I'm going to close my eyes so that I can concentrate. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's fine. But um, I just saw a picture of you um, uh, cowing under blows um, over years and years and years. And I just feel like God is wanting to bring you out of that. Mm. And there's um, a picture that I've often had that I feel is for you where there's that shield of faith. But mm. so often we cower behind the shield of faith and God is wanting you to stand tall knowing that the shield of faith will catch every fiery dart. And that every fiery dart that has come against you has not cowered you and has not broken you, but actually that you can rise up and move into new things that God has given you. It's almost like you've spent your life being stagnant mm. because of fear and because of things that you're afraid might come at you. But I just feel like God is going to lead you into a new season of more mm. um, and something beautiful and strength in him as you um, find your prayer cave and, um, mm. and uh, intimacy with God. Mm. Thank you, Lord. And I just, uh, the, who's the mum of the new baby? Sorry, I don't know names. The, sorry, what's her She's name? probably with the baby now, I think, in the back. Uh, okay, I'll give it to her. I, huh? I can, I'll chat yeah, to her later. Right, okay. It's fine. All right, thanks. thanks. Thank you. Come on, Robbie. Yeah. Put me on the spot. I did, time. I did. I put you right on the spot. Um, yeah. Calling you out. Can I can I wait a bit? Yeah, sure. Stand right here. Come, next one. No problem, Roy. I also don't have a name, Dave, but I think it might be for more more than one person. Okay. Um, I specifically feel um, just to encourage people that um, struggle with an orphan heart, um, that it keeps on coming back, that you're fighting against it. I just feel uh, the Lord encouraging us today to really. Um, remember that he that started a good work in us will surely carry through to completion. Yeah. And we are adopted sons and daughters of the Most High. So I don't know if, yeah, I just felt mm. to step out and, and share that because. Mm. Thank you. Thanks, Tina. Keith, you want to run away? Go for it. I don't have a name, but um, I've, got, I've got an image now of um, an archery, an archery and someone. I don't know, maybe you've been um, shooting your bow and arrow and you've been aiming at a target for long and um, you keep on trying to get the bullseye, but you just keep missing. Um, and I feel like the next shot you take is going to hit the target and it's going to be the bullseye. Um, so I, I don't know who, who that's for, but just be encouraged by that. Anyone, anyone feel like you could relate to that word right now? Yeah? Anyone feel like it's... Anyone else? We just want to know. Great, thanks. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Robbie. Well done, buddy. It wasn't so painful, was it? Eh? No, well done, man. I'm proud of you, my man. Go on, Kath. Um, the couple that were up here becoming members, is it Brendan? Yeah, Brendan and Bronwyn. Bronwyn. Bronwyn, I just saw you standing up front, and if I get, it's just the Holy Spirit. Um, and I just saw your beautiful smile, 
and I just feel like inside of you, God has placed a bag of gold. I just see this bag of gold. And it's not small coins, it's big coins. And he wants you to, un- to open it. And he wants you to start handing it out mm. to the people around you. Mm. And that they will be richly blessed. Mm. Amen. Mm. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. There you go, guys. And now you just take those little things and multiply it all week long. See how God will cause you to bring life to others around you. It's going to be an amazing thing. Just lastly, John, you know, I just feel like God wants to bless you and say he's so pleased at the way that you relate in your relationship um, and how you are, uh, you are applying as much wisdom as God has put within you in your relationship with Vanessa. So I just bless you for the man you are in God and the, your pursuit of him. We've seen you coming Onto God more and more. So we bless you for that. Eh? Amen. Will you seek at least one opportunity this week to bring a, some word of encouragement, a prophetic nature into the life of somebody else in PE? Would you do that? How many? Give me a wave offering. How many might just do that this week? All right. Bless you all. Now go and have some coffee. Go for it, guys. Bless you all.